0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cast. This evening, I'm your host, Rebecca, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by my lovely co-host, Brooke.
1: Welcome back, Brooke. Hi! How are you? Good. Awesome. We should tell everybody that today, we're not, we're not, uh, it's not like me and you at Chateau Picard or anything. I am at start, <laughs> I'm at, uh. Uh, I was gonna say I was at Starfleet headquarters, but actually, uh, Neil's closer to that. Yes, surprise. <laughs> uh, so I am in space. <laughs> you're in space. <laughs> well, you're somewhere between time and space, I would say. Yes, because I'm at a Doctor Who convention. Yeah, on oh, the west coast. Timey wimey. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's hilarious because Neil and I, spoilers again, are in the same state, but we are almost as far as I am usually away from Rebecca from Kentucky to <laughs> New York. It's wild. I know. You- it's like about maybe four hours difference <laughs> <laughs> driving. Yeah, you would think, um
0: yeah, you would think, oh, I'm in the same state as uh, our guest this evening, Neil. Uh, but, uh, in, in, in California, you could be at opposite ends of the state and not really be in driving distance. So yeah, yeah
2: California's big.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Neil's our guest, everybody. Welcome Neil.
2: Yeah! Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> of course, of course,
1: of course. Yeah. He's very so, knowledgeable about Star Trek. Of course we had you uh, back. No,
0: listen, <laughs> Neil is our, Neil's our, he's like our number one, you know, he's, he's like, he's there, he's reliable, he's. <laughs> yeah, he's full of Star Trek knowledge. That's why we like Neil. So
2: Back um, problems.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, who doesn't have back problems? I yeah, back
2: I know,
3: right?
0: <laughs> I <picked>
2: a
3: chair. <laughs> um,.
0: <laughs> and in, in in two weeks, uh, we'll all be together in Chicago.
3: <laughs> yes! Woo! Which
0: is wild <laughs> for a whole nother thing. But yeah, so this is very exciting. Um, so when we last had Neil on, you were discussing uh with us Unification parts one and two. Uh yeah. which was great. Great episodes. Now here we are, four episodes into Picard. Um Neil, I would love to know what do you think of the series so far? Uh, I really
2: really really like it so far um, once I learned that the first three episodes were kind of supposed to be viewed all at once as a piloty kind of thing it, it made it a lot made a lot more sense as to why it was uh, set up the way it was mm-hmm. uh, whereas that was the whole intro to the show was those first three episodes. And I like them all individually, but viewed as, as a trilogy, it, it works really, really well. It's just a beautiful piece of storytelling. And uh, what's her name? Hanel... Culpepper. Culpepper. She did a phenomenal job of, of really in, like weaving the story and uh, providing enough uh, exposition to get everybody caught up the board whether you're a trek fan or not uh just mm-hmm. to kind of get everybody onto the same page as to where the universe is at this moment when the show is getting going
0: right yeah i agree i really enjoyed her right her uh directing style i liked her uh way of flipping back and forth between scenes to make exposition not so heavy and clunky and just mm-hmm. to make you really interested um so yeah, it's true. Those first three episodes, definitely like an extended pilot. So here we are now in episode four, which the showrunners have said will really start the action, will really kind of kick into uh-huh. gear here. And I think that we could all agree, um, or I don't know if you would agree with me actually, I'm, I spoke too soon, um, that this episode <laughs> definitely had more action. Um, not as much storytelling, still storytelling of course, but uh, there was definitely more action for me in this one. Um, it, would, would you guys agree with that statement? That there was uh, definitely like sort of a step up in the action here? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, Brooke?
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm right here. I said yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that the there was enough action in the first three. Uh, but this one definitely had more action per minute of screen time, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure. So, um, yeah, so we are we are going to be reviewing tonight uh, episode four, which is entitled Absolute Candor, um, <laughs> which is a, an appropriate episode as we, as we get into it. We'll see why. Uh, this episode was directed by good old Jonathan Frakes. Yeah! <laughs> wow, Neil's so excited by that.
2: Oh, my God.
0: I was going to say yay. Queen.
1: I didn't even say it because you just come out so strong. I knew I would be completely ran over.
2: <laughs> I had two squee moments during the credits and that was the second of them.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah. So Jonathan Frakes, who, uh, of course, unless you're a total, uh, have no idea about name of Star Trek, uh, played William Riker, but he's also done a lot of directing since, uh, since those TNG days. Um, this uh, episode was written by the usual suspects, Akiva Goldsman, Michael Shaban, Kirsten Beyer, Alex Kurtzman, all have writing credits because they created the series. Of course, our writing credit goes to Gene Roddenberry, um, but Michael Shaban gets uh, the definite written by, so he had a heavy hand on this story, and also Nick Zayas as the executive story editor. Um, And then we've got our usual cast of characters, Picard, Dr. Gerardi, Soji, but we're meeting some new characters in this episode. We have Evan Evagora, Evagora as Elnor. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Who looks incredibly like an elf rather than <laughs> a Romulan. <laughs> and I think uh I was, I was talking to a friend and we both agreed that Elnor was a great elf elvish name for a Rah! Romulan yes. who looks like an elf. I mean, yeah. he looks like he could step right into Rivendell and be right at home mm-hmm. with the other elves. <laughs> um, yes, he could. Yeah, he does look good. Um, and then we also got um, again, we have our usual suspects. We've been following uh, Raffi, uh, Captain Rios, Naric, uh Lieutenant Rizzo, and then at the very, very end of this episode um, for maybe less than 30 seconds of screen time we finally get Jerry Ryan as oh! 7 of 9 I know we've been like when is she showing up and here she I is I assumed
1: that was another reason he was going to scream so I, figured, I just waited
0: I yes. as much yes.
2: You know, that was my first credit squee moment was seeing her as special guest star
0: yes yes and certainly, her her introduction to the series is quite dramatic. Um, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. We'll talk about it at the very end of the episode, of course. Um, but I guess you know what? Let's just dive right into this episode, you guys. So, uh, in the very first scene, uh, we have another flashback, and I have to say, I kind of like that the episodes include these flashbacks. They're not they're not too long for me personally, like. Um, I don't, if anybody watches, uh, Arrow on the CW, they relied heavily on those flashbacks to Oliver's time on the island, and for me, it got to be a bit too much. All the flash, all the flashing back. Um, I feel like four episodes in, the flashbacks are short, they're to the point, and they're there to tell us a story, or to give us the needed exposition for this particular episode. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you, uh sounds like you're on the same page, Neil.
2: Yeah. And especially this one uh, where it was the pre-credits scene. I thought that was really well done where it was placed just to give you a sense of what's been happening, what was happening in the lead up to the uh, attack on utopia planitia. hmm um, and to kind of get a sense of what was happening with the Romulans, which, as a side note, I'm very, very appreciative of that they're fleshing out the whole Romulan society and delving deeper into those characters, which are some of my favorites in all of Trek.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting here because, um, we're getting a lot of, um, Sort of filling in the blanks of the Romulans mm-hmm. to the point that in this episode we're introduced to, I mean, can we, can we call, I mean, I guess they are a religious order. The Coat uh, Malat? Yeah. The, yeah, yes, the Coat Malat. they Picard calls them nuns. Um, the Romulan warrior nuns. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> who knew I needed Romulan warrior nuns in my life. Right? <laughs> I mean,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Who knew? Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I kind of always assumed the Romulans didn't really have too much of a religion. Um, they, they're kind of almost presented as like a, like a communist state. So mm-hmm. when you think about like a communist state, there's usually not religion involved. But this episode really shows almost these are these are like a holy order of mm-hmm. these women, and they kind of almost reminded me of like the quitsat. Hatterack, which is not the exact right term, Mm. but in Dune um, Mm -hmm. I know we're like jumping into all these different fandoms, but like in Dune, (laughs) that order of like the holy nuns, you guys know what I'm talking about right? Yes, yes. The ones who show up. um... No
1: I I don't know anything about Dune sorry.
2: It's it's the Bene Gesserit That's what uh... thank
0: you the Quintax Hatterack is what the the kid turns out to be, but the the Bene Gesserit are the actual nuns yes, yes Thank you. They're the ones that
2: okay. test. They're the ones that test the uh, the children for signs of precognition and
0: right with the stuff box. Like you stick your hand in the box yes. and you feel like you're on the box. Yes, the pain box. There is only pain here. But um, yeah, <laughs> they kind terrible. of <laughs> terrible. It, it it's not pleasant. I would assume, but they kind no. of reminded me of like the Benny Gesserit nuns who were um in Dune.
2: Yeah, me too. It, it's a very similar. Kind uh order where it's a bunch of badass women not taking men's shit yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so um so yeah in this first scene we do meet um so picard uh, beams down to this planet called vashti it's a romulan relocation hub it's 14 years ago and we will find out it's right before the attack on utopia planitia um (laughs) Picard beams down, looking like Panama Jack, you guys. I don't know about you, but I was digging <laughs> the hats and the the white linen. The white suit? I mean, he was, like, silent. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a little okay. casual summer Picard.
1: <laughs> you know, I was thinking he looked like um, oh, the guy from Indiana Jones. What the heck is his name? Oh, uh,
3: oh the, the bad, bad guy. guy?
1: hmm yeah and i just thought that was hilarious
3: oh,
0: that that yeah yes. him. yeah he did a little bit you're absolutely right but it's so funny because the second time i watched it what popped into my head was panama jack um yeah <laughs> 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 but it kind of <clears throat> excuse me it was kind of like that whole like summer suit kind of a thing um which was adorable um mm-hmm. so when he beams down um you know there's everybody's welcoming him like this as soon as he shows up everybody kind of flocks to him and they're like oh my gosh it's picard and and he's kind of trying to calm everybody like you know don't worry we're here to help you we meet a little boy who um steals a, a, a piece of fruit they and the uh, the owner calls him sister boy and he says mm-hmm. bite me <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I
1: laughed really hard. I was like, he said, bite me. Adorable.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, we find out why they call him Sister Boy is because he is being raised by this. He's basically being raised in a nunnery. I mean, or in a, in a convent. Get
2: thee to a nunnery. Get
0: thee to a nunnery. That's what I had in my head was that a lot from that <laughs> Get thee to a nunnery. Um, he's being raised in a convent by these nuns. Um, And the order is called the Kohat, the Kohat Malat. And you cannot be a Kohat Malat if you are a boy or a man. So only women can have that title. Um, But he's being raised by these women and trained by them. He's obviously some kind of an orphan kid. doesn't have a family. Um, And we also find out that they practice this thing called the way of absolute candor. Um, which, uh, we will find out later on. It's basically, there's no filter. They just say whatever they're feeling. And we see it in this episode where she, where the, like the mother superior basically tells Elnor, like, you're making Picard uncomfortable. He doesn't like children. And, um, the little boy says, I'm genuinely hurt. I thought you liked me. <laughs> i my feelings are <laughs> genuinely hurt <laughs> um I, so we 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 kind of get a sense of this um this uh, convent how they've been helping uh people get resettled here um and picard brings elnor a book uh he br- which is uh, the three musketeers he brings um the mother superior some sweet hanifac Um, they have some little like nice banter about promises are prisons and all that. Um, and then we get like some. I really liked. Mm
1: -hmm. I liked that quote for some reason. I don't know. Promises are prisons. Yeah,
0: I think she said something (laughs) like, "Don't make yourself his jailer."
1: Yes, and I like that he said he <laughs> promised to bring her the sweep, whatever stuff, and then he's like, But I forgot promises for prison. And he starts to take it away. And she's like, <laughs> You better hand that over, But <laughs> So great. <laughs>
0: I did enjoy that, too. Like, I, I like seeing Picard like this, like, very relaxed, and he's kind of like not the Picard that we remember from Next Gen, you know? Older, you know, even now, mm-hmm. this is 14 years before what we're watching, so he's he's in, it's that in, in between, you know, uh, stage here. Um,
2: well, he's also um, it also seems like he's kind of in his element, uh, as more of the peacemaker, the one who's just trying to help people and doesn't have to deal with like threats and shit. Mm-hmm. he's just gotta yeah. make sure people are able to live their lives better. And that, like, that's the Picard that I love is the, is the one who is just so good with people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And,
2: and making them better.
0: <laughs> no, you're right. He doesn't have to be like, you know, do I enter the neutral zone or not? Do I raise shields mm-hmm. here or not? This is just Picard helping people, which we know that he loves to do. Um Yeah. You know, and then even here when he's talking to the sisters, he's saying, you know, it can't be easy for him to be the only boy in this house full of women and he he must get lonely. And the sisters say, well, yeah, you know, we we care about him. He's loved, but this is not really a home for him, you know, and it's sort of it's implied that they are trying to find him a more permanent home. Um we get some nice scenes here of Picard is teaching Eleanor to fence um and he's mm. uh is really sweet with like sticks in their fencing and he's reading him a chapter from the three musketeers um and it's very sweet because we see Eleanor kind of kind of cozy up to Picard and we we've we've seen Picard mellow over the years with kids but here he's really mellowed with the kids right like mm. he's letting the he's letting elnor basically kind of cuddle up right next to him um it was a really sweet little scene when he's he's reading him that 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 Mm -hmm. chapter out of the three musketeers um and then in the middle of all of this raffi calls picard on the comm and she tells him that the the synths have attacked mars and um So, of course, everybody's worried now, like, what does this mean for the evacuation? And Picard's very confident, like, oh, it's still going to happen. Like, don't even worry about it. Um, but he does leave. And, you know, he says he'll come back. Um, we do see Elmore crying as he's leaving. And, um, it's a very bittersweet end to this, this sort of, like, um, this flashback scene. Um... And then we yeah. Our, uh-huh.
2: Go ahead. Uh, I I just want to say that uh, Patrick Stewart's face in, in that moment where he he hears that news he does such a good job of of conveying all the emotions that are just have risen up because of, he's heard this news just for a very short. Like,
1: Neil, well, he is an experienced, experienced actor. Of oh, course. I know. No, I'm I know. It's
2: it just—I'm just, just teasing. Beautiful to
1: watch He is that. so amazing. He's just—I yeah. I don't know. He's always amazing. <laughs> I just he, wanted to tease is. you.
2: <laughs> but just like as an actor, it's—it's—it's it's, it's beautiful to see somebody with that much experience and talent and training. Just with the, the briefest of instance, you can see all that weight just fall on him and. You can just, it, it, it's, a be, it's just a beautiful little thing mm-hmm. that I
0: noticed. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely agreed. You know, this is just, it's so great to see um, Sir Patrick Stewart back acting in this role and playing this character. Oh, yeah. It's just great. It's a joy to watch him. Um, so we get our opening credits, of course. Um, our next scene, uh, we're, we're aboard uh, Captain Rios' ship. He's uh, reading his book. And uh, Dr. Jurati is um, bored because she's like, who knew space <laughs> was boring? Um, and she. Wow,
2: oh, is so good. She, is
0: she great in this role? So like, good. She's great here because she's kind of just rambling on.
1: Um, I love this. I love this whole thing. It's like, it's not really. It's space. It's not. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) there's actually all of these things and all of these planets and blah blah blah. It really
2: over-explainer. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) I I very much felt that because I mean Rebecca would know because Rebecca's spent extensive amount of time with me and knows I do that a lot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, uh... I I thought that too. About I mean, you, Greg.
0: <laughs> everybody does that, I think. I think we yeah. I think every person has a thing that they can do that with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think everybody could do that. You know who she kind of reminds me of? if, if um Neil, do you watch Discovery? Yes. She reminds me of a little bit of Ensign Tilly, Tilly right? Yeah. yeah. She a very similarly written character and in, especially in, in this episode. I, I found her almost mm-hmm. very much like Ensign Tilly. Um, but uh, yeah, she, she, she kind of rambles on to the point that, you know, um, Rios kind of gives up and closes his book, but she does tell him <laughs> that, uh, her, her dad also liked to read like paper, physical books. Um, she says that she was going to watch a hollow, but all he has is Klingon opera. And so of course he's like, that's a long story. <laughs>
1: It just reminds me of that episode with, um, Worf singing the Klingon opera.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anytime we get Michael Doran singing some Klingon opera, I love it. Oh.
1: So good. Oh. Side note. So, uh, my new best friend, don't worry, I've already told all my other ones that this is my new best friend, is my cousin's, um, uh, coworker and he is me, only a he, basically. <laughs> oh okay. And we were finishing each other's sentences and it was really hilarious and he had pictures of with Michael Dorn and uh Marina Certis and uh somebody else. I can't remember. Anyway, but that was exciting. Oh, awesome. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I'd love to really Michael Dorn. Right?
2: <laughs> me too.
0: <laughs> there is
2: a Really good quote in here uh, about what the book is about
3: mm-hmm.
2: the the existential pain of living with the consciousness of death. Yes, I just love that idea. I've been thinking about it ever since the first time I saw it at midnight on Wednesday night. <laughs>
1: That's right, you
0: get it first. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: technically, I guess we could watch it at the same time. Just watch the same.
0: Yes, but I'm not getting up at 3 in the morning just so I can watch it while Neil watches it at midnight. Neil just has to stay up a little bit later to watch it. I got to get up in the middle of my sleeping cycle Mm -hmm. um
2: (laughs) but in a couple weeks when i'm in chicago i'll be watching it that wednesday night at two o'clock in the morning
0: oh that's true yeah (laughs) that's true that's true we will be
1: i will still be in eastern time at that point so i
0: I will too so i'll probably be watching it on eastern time but i'll probably watch it again on friday
1: (laughs) um i'll probably watch it on the plane i think
0: mm, that's a good idea yeah. Um yeah, the the whole exist says the book is about exist the ex- existential pain of of living with the consciousness of death. And um and I think she was like, "Oh, that's that's not a conversation killer." <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't really invite more discussion on it. Um but c- you know, c- clearly this guy has a lot of uh, emotional trauma going on and um he kind of leans into it, and so we kind of see how you know Doctor Gerardi's like, okay, I don't really know how to approach this or deal with this now. But um, Raffi comes in, and she's really annoyed that they're making a stop. Um, she just wants to get to Free Cloud, and they're stopping at Vashti, and um, she doesn't really uh, she doesn't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Which is funny, because I think she says, uh, this man can't even take a guilt trip without using a starship, which yeah. I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was line. Uh,
2: she's so good, too. Yeah, She's
0: great. I mean, I think this is a really great episode because it's written by Michael Chabon, who's a really excellent science fiction writer. And then it's directed by Jonathan Frakes, who loves, mm-hmm. he, he loves a good dad joke. He loves a good bit yeah. of silliness. And I think this episode has its moments where you're like, that's a Frakes moment. It's got to be a yeah. Frakes moment.
2: Yeah, there's there's one later that I, I'll bring up at the time. But, okay, great. Uh, he, yeah, he, and he understands Star Trek. Oh, 100%. Obviously he understands so, Star Trek. so well.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So in the next scene, um, we find out that on this ship, they have, there's like a hospitality uh, suite, <laughs> and now there's another hologram. It's the hospitality hologram, who looks like he's straight off the set of the of, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which is hilarious. Um, and he basically is like, oh, yeah, I we, we've designed this room to look just like your study back mm-hmm. home.
1: Um, and I was like, oh, man, because I was thinking maybe he actually was back home. And he wasn't. Why did I not think of <laughs> the dang, like, right. holodeck kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but this one, this one has, a like, this one has, like, straight, straight on American accent. You know, it's like. Yeah. yeah. The main one. He's got a, you know, he has an American accent, but he also, ha- you know, and he speaks Spanish sometimes. And it's like, I was t- like, and I had just said to my cousin as we were watching it that I was hoping he'd had different accents and stuff. And I was not disappointed in this episode Me with either, either one. <laughs>
2: I, I, I will tell you. Santiago. That-
0: Oh, go ahead. I'm Santiago
2: Cab- Santiago Cabrera must be having so much fun with this show, being able to play so many different characters. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah, and oh, I li- wow. I, liked so I liked him before. I liked him before in the things that I'd seen him in, um, but I really like him now. Like I'm like, oh oh, I love him. He's great. That's just really just bad good. for me, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I um I have to say I think this is really my first exposure to him. I'm trying. Me to- too. Trying to see what else he's been in. Um... Watch
1: the Musketeers. Oh, he's he was in the Musketeers, oh, that's and interesting. which is which I thought was great because you know Picard. Three Musketeers, yeah, it had the Three Musketeers book, but of course you know it was French, Alexander Dumas, you know. <laughs> but um, so it didn't really have you know anything to that. But uh, to me, I I. I it's one of those Brook Easter eggs that's not really connected.
0: <laughs> oh, that's all right. We enjoy a good Brooke Easter egg. That's fine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at him. Brooke Easter egg. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm like, I can't name it myself. That's just terrible. <laughs> I, it's,
0: it's so funny because he's been in shows that I've watched. He's been in Empire. He's been in Heroes. Um He's been in Dexter. Who is he in Heroes? In Heroes, he was Isaac Mendez.
2: Was he one of the carnival guys?
0: You know what? I'm not really sure, but he was in 17 episodes. <laughs> you would think I would remember. Okay. But it was. But to be fair, this was back in 2006. So yeah, it's a little while ago. ago.
2: <laughs> so it's as long ago as the. Uh... The attack on Uto- Utopia Punish?
0: Yep, that's exactly correct. No wonder I don't remember. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's weird,
1: because it's Remembrance Day. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> that's when that happened. Sorry.
0: Yeah, th- this is really, I guess, the first time I'm, I guess, paying attention to this actor, apparently. Um, I really enjoy the different characters that he's playing within um, this sort of environment because when he's himself, like when he's the captain, he's kind of like a Han Solo like archetype, like, you know, he's smoking a cigar and he's wearing a cool vest and he's driving around in his ship doing what he wants to do. But then he's got all these different holograms and they've all got different personalities and different accents. And um yeah, it's just great. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, so they're in this like holodeck basically. It's been programmed to look like Picard's study back home so he feels more comfortable. Um Rafi and Rios come in and and then Dr. Geraldi joins them and basically they're like, you know, th- we shouldn't be stopping, we should just be going straight to Free Cloud. Um and then they talk a little bit about the sector that they're going to be stopping in. So the 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 planet Vashti is in the Kyrus sector and there's basically this warlord named Kantar who's got an old Romulan warbird. Like think the original series, Ronald, oh, 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 oh Can I just tell right, you? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the original series. When I saw oh, that, oh, oh, oh. Well, you? Oh my god! I loved it.
2: I loved <laughs> Holy it. Shit. that's more bird of prey. Oh.
0: I know.
1: It's <laughs> a shame that they. It was so it pretty. Up.
0: I know. I wish to do that.
1: <laughs> Are you gonna need a cigarette now? I, I mean, might. What- <laughs> I might. <laughs>
2: The, like is- that's one of my favorite all-time Trek episodes. Is "Bounds of Terror." Oh, it's
0: a great episode. And,
2: and and seeing this warbird, you know, obviously a little bit later than we're talking about right now, but seeing this warbird or this uh, bird of prey, sorry, it was it was it was a moment for me. Oh,
0: me too, Neil. Me too. <laughs> oh, I was having a moment. I was like, oh my god. It's from like the original series. I got very excited,
2: and it looked so good. It looked, it looked so good.
0: It looked great, and I have to say, I get why you know the firefight. They're fighting their way out, but when they sliced that that oh. arm, that wing off, it it was it hurt. I was like, oh, did you have to? Like, <laughs> didn't you just target their engines or something? Like, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it was a cool looking, it was a cool looking Warbird. Um, so, uh, this guy Cantar, he's in his Romulan Warbird. He's kind of just kind of doing whatever he wants and, uh, being a, a criminal, basically. They talk a little bit here about the Fenris Rangers. So, we know that from, if you've done any kind of research for this show, even, even on the, um, on the surface, the Fenris Rangers, um, Seven of Nine is part of that group. And they're basically like this group that kind of runs around and they're, they help the Romulans get set up on this planet. They help them build their defense system. Um, but basically, there's too much criminal activity happening that they can't really keep up with it all. It does make sense why Seven shows up at the end of this episode. If she's part of this group and there's this firefight going on out over Vashti, you could understand why she would show up kind of to save the day at the end here. Um, yeah. They talk a little bit about this Romulan rebirth movement, um, which seems to be sort of like this idea that I think we, when we see the planet later on, when Picard goes back, like, the second time, um, we see, like, the, that sign up in the cafe that says Romulans only, um, mm-hmm. so we sort of starting to see like almost the Zen, like the xenophobic and this almost like a superior race idea of like, we're, we're not going to serve other, other races here. We're only going to serve Romulans. Um, right. And, and you have like to a imma-
2: segregation thing.
0: Yes. And you have to imagine that's a natural, almost a natural thing to develop after you've lost your home world and Uh you feel completely let down by the people that said they were going to help you and now you're stuck on this planet and this is supposed to be like you know your your savior or your saving grace but it's it's not good like people are living in poverty people are struggling and it's not it's not great you can understand why people are angry and they're starting to feel like we're only going to be with Romulans. We're going to keep out, you know, anybody from Earth or any other races. You can't come in here. Um,
2: yeah, so- and there's no correlations to our modern society at all. No!
1: Not- <laughs> what? So out there! So out there. <laughs> How dare you have us watch this unrealistic show. I
0: know. Where get these <laughs> crazy ideas from? Who knows? Um... <laughs> Uh, That's another podcast we could talk about refugees and (laughs) feeling disenfranchised. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Uh, We try to keep it light here. No politics. I know, we keep it light here on the Picard Cat. We don't talk about You can't
2: separate politics from Star Trek. I know, believe me.
0: What? For people who... I know, right? What? Star Trek's political? What? For, For people who say... I don't understand why Star Trek has to be political now. My <laughs> thing is like now? Well, Have you ever Do you understand
1: it? why it was then? Maybe Have that's the maybe it's just right now they don't like it. But I, then it was fun.
0: It's always been political. It's always been political. Yeah. It's always been a social a social commentary. Like if you mm-hmm. ever watched one unit of Star Trek, you would know that the entire thing is has been political. It's been a social a commentary from day. Yeah, one Yeah,
2: I mean it's following Gene Roddenberry's vision of what he thinks the future future should be, mm-hmm. which necessarily makes him have to make take political stances. Exactly, it's just how it works. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's true. No, listen, we we get it. There's always politics in Star Trek but uh, we try not to bring the real world politics into, <laughs> into this part of it. Believe me, I know it's hard. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, Picard talks a little bit about this uh, these uh, warrior Romulan nuns, and Dr. Girardi's like, tell me more. I have to know more about this. And um, he says that they're basically like the best fighters he's ever met and that they are assassins that choose you they will bind their sword to your cause if you meet the certain criteria. And apparently they are feared by the Tal Shiar, which says a lot about this group. Because yes, the Tal um, Shiar is not usually afraid of anybody.
1: When uh, <laughs> when Agnes is like, uh you know, kind of thing, like I was too, I was like, Yes, how do I join? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think, Rebecca, sometime you and I need to like, dress up as them.
0: Romulan Warrior Nuns? I've been waiting for you to ask. Yes. Me. <laughs> Let's do I mean, it. We don't
1: have time for C2E2. I don't have time to make two costumes I know. before then. We
0: will plan it, though. The New We're York Comic Con will be Romulan Warrior Nuns. and And Neil, you can be the guy who hangs out with us. You can't be a nun, but you can hang out I'll with be you. a nun.
1: I don't care. <laughs> I've got a long black wig if you want to be <laughs> Elnor.
0: Um, okay, come on. <laughs> so, um, Picard won't tell Agnes Gerardi what the criteria is for them joining you. Um, he kind of holds out on that one. He does talk a little bit about uh, they follow the way of absolute candor goes into what that means that there's basically no filter to their emotions um, which I thought was kind of interesting they they, I mean talk about being completely opposite from the Vulcans like they've, they've thrown off all filters and they basically will just completely just tell you how they're feeling about anything and they're brutally honest I mean we see that even in this episode like later on when Picard comes back the mother superior is like you're old you've gotten old Admiral Picard <laughs> Like, like the polite thing, you know, what do we say in place? Oh, you look great. You look amazing. It's, you know, you have an age today when, you know, and the reality, of course, is the complete opposite. So, yeah, they don't have any of those sort of false pretenses there.
2: Well, it's also completely opposite of what we've been led to believe about Romulans, period, is because of their intense need for secrecy. This is the exact opposite of that. It's, 100%. it's about being com-
0: mm-hmm.
1: completely
2: honest at all times.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. So, mm-hmm. Why the super secret Romulans would hate them. Exactly. When, yeah, exactly.
0: They're the exact opposite of what the Tal Shiar's but all antithesis.
2: about. But they're such badasses that you can't what? attack
1: them.
0: Right, because they'll just <laughs> slice your head off, as we have seen oh. in this episode. <laughs>
1: what happened like guttural sounds because you do not expect that to happen on star trek
0: very surprising um so um basically you know rafi's trying to be understanding she says to him you know you've lost dodge you're now you're thinking about elnor and picard's like i may never come this way again like i mean he's being realistic like when am i next going to be in space over here by this particular planet like this is my chance to see Elnor this is my chance to get them to help me um and she's like we should stick to the plan do one impossible thing at a time and Picard's like nope we're stopping at this planet and Hmm. you know you can see that she's frustrated but then again I mean it's Picard that's what he's gonna do (laughs) yeah she gets
2: it but she's angry
0: yes absolutely um and Picard even says to her like I know you're anxious to get your free cloud and she's like anxious who said I'm anxious who's anxious to go to free cloud not me <laughs> you know she's very like sort <laughs> <smart laughs> of <laughs> I'm not shock <sharky> about <laughs> um so in the next scene it's a quick scene back on the reclamation cube Soji is playing um with those triangular cards uh, that Ramda had. And she's watching Ramda on this talk show, Romulan talk show, um, like a pre-recorded thing. And she's talking about Gamadan, which is the Day of Annihilation. And it involves the Seb Cheneb, which we know from the last episode was the Destroyer.
1: And I still think it's a hilarious word. Are two words. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> it, just, it just sounds like gibberish. I know there's lots of different languages in this show, but that sounds the most gibberish of any of them to me. <laughs> it's like someone slurring their words. They've had too much to we drink. seb
2: chan Ah,
1: the
0: seb Thank you. <laughs>
2: they lost <love> Seb-chan-eb <laughs> a couple weeks.
1: Um, <laughs> sorry, yes, I'm going to start saying that, <laughs> everyone. This is so good sub-tuneb.
0: <laughs> well, the, the other thing interesting about this, this scene is you can see on Soji's desk a picture of her and Dodge. Um, it's like really quick thing. It's it's just uh, like the kind of picture uh, you would have of like your family or, your, or or your siblings. Um, and um, interesting to me that you know Dodge never mentioned her sister, but. Um, Soji has mentioned her several times, uh, which is interesting, but we do see a little picture of her and Dodge together, and, and Soji's definitely trying to figure Ramda out, like, she's trying to understand why she's part of the disordered, and why she's so drawn to her, And, and we'll get to a scene a little bit later on about that, too. Um, so now we're back over Vashti, um... They kind of go over like the protection on the planet. They have shields. Uh, they've got killer drones. If you don't have like authorization to come through the shield, when it opens, they're gonna. They basically shoot to kill. And then it like opens randomly, and then it opens for only a minute. So you have to like have your clearance, be ready to go, and like just shoot right into the planet. Um, so it's pretty hard to hack. Uh, almost impossible really and Picard's like well just tell him it's me (laughs) and obviously they'll just totally let me land and they're like yeah no they don't really care it's you Um, and this to me is one of the really most interesting things about the show is that Picard almost every episode has to be kind of humbled (laughs) because he still thinks like he carries this kind of weight (laughs)
1: It's like the, okay, so he might have softened to children in his old age, but he also got even more like, don't you know who I am? Yes. (laughs) He did.
0: It's true. (laughs) Yes, he did. He did. (laughs) I mean, every episode almost, he has a moment like this where it's basically like, well, tell him it's me. And they're like, yeah, they know it's you, but they don't care it's you. (laughs) And, um... So they're like, so how do we get in? And Captain Rios is like, well, you give him cash. (laughs) I mean, that might work. And um, clearly that's what they do, because in the next scene, Picard beams down to the planet. So they must have uh, gotten some cash from somewhere and offered somebody a bribe.
2: Well, so one thing I I noticed is that... um... Yeah, yeah, the Federation, you don't need currency at all. Right. But any of the associated races, you do. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at DS9 with the Ferengi and uh, Papa Cisco's restaurants, and they all require currency in order to get the services from them.
0: Did you call So, so Papa Sisko? Like, I did. Well, I can't adorable. remember his first name. I love it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Wait a minute. General
2: it. Cartwright. Is that better?
0: Uh, no, 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 I like no. Go with <laughs> Sisko. <I> just must <laughs> be San Francisco.
2: But yeah, because he runs a restaurant on Earth, yeah. and he, I mean, he must get some sort of reciprocation for making food, making that jambalaya. Oh. Um. So I, I the way I, I, way I picture it in the in the Federation is that if you're a member of Starfleet. And you're getting your necessary services, that's all free. But right. if you're trying to get something from another uh, society, you're going to have to have some some form of currency uh, to get those services. Right. You know, like Quark's Bar on DS9. Right.
0: You need some kind of Latinum
2: to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or something that's good for trade. So that, like, and it seems like because the Federation is, it seems to be a little fractured. Maybe currency is coming back into vogue for Federation people as well. Mm.
0: Yeah, it seems like at least here in the future, even though, as you say, the Federation doesn't use money or currency, um, it's common to interact with these other cultures. So it seems Mm -hmm. that there is, you know, you might be part of the Federation, but you'll also carry around some currency of um, and. Yeah, and so then Rios
2: concerned. obviously isn't in Starfleet anymore, so he's right. got to make a living somehow. If he's not, if all the stuff isn't being provided for him by Starfleet anymore. Right.
0: And we also but saw it, Raffi make a point about how basically Picard is one of the is like part of the one percent as far as she's yeah. concerned, and she's basically like, I'm here in my hovel in the desert. Fucking smoking yeah. weed every day, trying to get by. Oh, I just like
2: decide. a lot of veterans who are uh, not taken care of by the government, right?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Quit making this too real. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Stop being
0: so realistic, Neil. You're bringing us
1: down, Neil. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um.
0: So. Okay, so Picard has greased their palms with something. Let's imagine it's gold-pressed latinum, um, because that seems to be a pretty common uh, currency. Um, So he beams down to to Vashti, only this time it's a very different reception. So instead of everyone flocking Uh to him because it's Picard... Basically, everyone is just ignoring him, and he's trying to say hi and he's you know and he's even greeting everybody in romulan, you know Julantru julantru, and nobody is interacting with him um and then we do get a scene of two of the of the nuns who are what are they called again um the kalan kalan Kahan, who are basically. Uh, Colin Kai Colin Kai, thank you I was close Colin Kai, (laughs) who are basically swords, uh, they're they're free swords people so they have taken upon themselves to patrol you know, highways and that way to keep the, the peace and the order as much as they can we do see two women there with their swords but we do see that cafe that says Romulans only um, Picard's kind of taken aback by it. Um, and he goes right back to the co-op Malat sisters. Um, we see the mother superior who has not aged a day in 14 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is... But
2: I like Vulcans that way, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume... I think Romulans probably have a very similar lifespan to Vulcans, right? Vulcans can live into, like, the triple digits. Um, yeah. I mean, Spock lived... Into, like 140
2: something, right?
0: Yeah, because he Spock lived into Picard's time so, so mm-hmm. and yeah. Saric. Um I think so, he
2: was in his 70s during the original series.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. I'm really interested in finding out how old the characters are supposed to be. I know. You know, like I didn't know how old Picard was supposed to be or anything. Like that's really cool. I like it. Yeah, Thanks guys for imparting your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nerds you guys are such nerds um nerds! <laughs> so um yeah so the mother superior tells picard you got old picard tells her she, you know he says you haven't and she says i would remind you this is a house of truth i i enjoy <laughs> the banter between them it's very it's very cute and funny um I definitely feel like this is a Jonathan Frake's touch. That that little bit of mm-hmm. more oh, yeah. is definitely a Frake's uh a Frake's touch. Um she says, you know, I love that
2: Frake's touch.
0: The Frake's touch. Oh my gosh. There were lots of uh, there were lots of la- alien ladies who had the Frake's touch. Um, mm. <laughs> you know <it's> true. Um <laughs> man the Riker maneuver. Okay, I'm going to stop now. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm <gonna stop>. um, <sighs> so, uh, <laughs> like,
1: there's just going to be one long. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> so, uh,
0: Picard tells her that uh, he says, "I need your help one last time, even though I have no right to ask for it." And then we do see Elnor who looks straight out of Rivendell. I'm telling you guys, he <laughs> right out of, like, a Lord of the Rings extra. It's crazy. And you know,
2: after he dropped in, like, Spider-Man?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. He did drop in, like, Spider-Man out of nowhere. Like, hello. Like, <laughs> hey, what's up, yo? Yeah. Oh, sorry to intrude. I just jumped in here on my Spider-Man.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, oh, Picard. I didn't see you there.
0: Oh, so... I swung
2: in on a web.
0: didn't notice you there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. I thought your voice was familiar. <laughs> so now we're back on the reclamation cube again. Soji is visiting with Ramda in the medical ward. We know that last episode she tried to kill herself. So no doubt she's probably on some kind of like a psych hold. Um and here's uh now Narek shows up. And hmm. um He's always so creepy. He's always just.
2: Yeah, I have one thing to say about Narek. Yeah. And Brooke, get ready for your bleeper. Uh, He's a creeper. Yes. I mean, (laughs) he is. The dude. Uh, He is. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. He's so gross. I
0: know. He's very gross. Well, Brooke and I have been talking about how. He's presented himself as like, I'm such a broken boy. If only you oh. could save me. And Soji just keeps falling for it. And well, you know, even in she this. She doesn't episode, know any better. I know. And she she's young, right? I mean, yeah. she says that she's twenty, but I Which mean, makes him even worse. Yes. Because he's absolutely way older he's, than her.
2: And he's preying on her. It's absolutely.
0: So
1: disgusting. Absolutely. But um, I, I... I, Yes, he was creepy. But his sister's <laughs> creepy. Ass. And then... But then it's like, maybe she really is, like, using him to and pretending to fall for all of his stuff. After watching this episode. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay. I mean, right. that,
0: that question is raised toward the end. Mm-hmm. When his sister who is basically doing the best Cersei Lannister impression I've ever seen, <laughs> shows up and is like, oh, you having fun with your little robot girlfriend? And maybe she's here to control you. You know, she was sent here on this cube and to be on this cube. And then even in this scene where they're talking, um, she's trying to figure Narek out. Um, She's asking him all these questions, which he's like very cleverly like, Evading and um, well, not cleverly, but he's just being stupid about it. He's like, "I'm not part of the are or am I?" Yes! <laughs> um, and then he takes her. He takes her to this thing. This, is this the scene you were talking about, Neil? Uh,
2: <sighs> maybe what? not.
0: The, this scene seems so silly to me, where he takes her to like. This part of the Borg cube, and he's like, Take your oh. shoes off, we're gonna do this uh, Borg tradition. And yeah, they basically go Borg sl- ceremony or something, they basically go sliding on um, in their stocking feet. I
1: actually like that.
0: Oh, okay. And then he does, he does, the the whole, I like to be
1: myself. That's really what it was
2: the whole like the kissing her and then. Thinking she's a liar thing. It just—it it felt like—it like felt like like overt control, and it bothered the fuck out of me. Yeah, Sorry.
0: no, it it definitely is. It definitely reads that way. I agree with you. Um, he's definitely trying to manipulate and control her. He's trying to prey on her emotions. And her feelings. I mean, here he's like trying to be playful with her and show her. Oh, look! I can be fun and playful, and and um, you could trust me because look, I'm sliding around on my socks. You know, that (laughs) guy wouldn't do that. You know, it's like I'm not a
2: Romulan secret agent.
0: (laughs) Would a Romulan secret agent have fun? Like,
1: I'm I'm a secret, secret Romulan secret agent. I'm a secret, secret, secret,
0: secret secret, (laughs) Romulan secret agent. It was very <laughs> secret. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like, they he starts kissing her, and then he starts questioning her about being on this ship called the Ellison. And he's like, you know, um, your name wasn't on the manifest, and she's like, but I was there. I was on that ship. Um, and um, so that this kind of raises a question about like, was she? What's the deal with that? Is that an implanted memory that she was on that ship? Or is she being coy? Is she playing some kind of a secret agent game herself?
2: I don't know if she's playing a secret agent game or if she was on the ship, but there's no record because she was just kind of placed there in, like, storage or something.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe she was disassembled. I I don't know. Like it's it's um yeah, that's a great. Maybe she was in the cargo hold. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Like <laughs> okay. She's, she asks him like, "Are you calling me a liar?" And then he he doesn't really answer. He kind of just looks at her, and it's um.
1: I have a song. <laughs> secret Agent Smith. <and> secret Agent <laughs> 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 sang in a while. Oh boy,
3: <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> Secret agent, <laughs> I love it.
1: That. That's
3: amazing. Uh,
0: so now we're back on Rios' ship. Um, Rafi is basically people are now like tweeting that they've seen Picard on the ship. I mean that on the planet. That's basically what's happening here. He's blowing up <laughs> on social media. Um, people are snapchatting and tweeting about it, and. Uh, she's like, yeah, this is not good. And now, of course, the Romulan Warbird has shown up. Bird of prey. And, yes, the wa- the bird of prey has shown up, and uh, here we learn more about the Kalen Kai, who are the the Free Swords people. Um, and you know, Picard is having a conversation with the Mother Superior, and she basically says to him, "You feel ashamed seeing Elnor here." You feel ashamed that you haven't been here. And he basically is trying to defend what he did. You know, he's like, you know, Starfleet wouldn't help me. So I did not. I wasn't able to complete my evacuation mission. And she's like, oh, so because you couldn't do anything, you did nothing. And she's really calling him out on that. And Picard acknowledges he's like, I allowed perfection to become the enemy of good like he realizes I should have done something but because I couldn't do it perfectly I didn't do anything and Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a it's kind of an aha moment for Picard like he's been having them these episodes but this is like a real big moment for him to understand that he could have done better he should have done better and he didn't Because he was too worried about it being perfect.
2: That's definitely one thing I've been appreciating about this show is that he is going on a journey of growth. um, where He he started off more like the Picard that we left off with uh, after after Nemesis. And he's now coming to terms with all of his past actions and is growing from them before our eyes I, I really really like watching that journey that uh, Picard is going on
0: yeah same here I, I and I'm liking that there's even now character growth for Jean-Luc Picard like mm-hmm. even we watched him all those years on TNG and now here we are years and years later there's still character growth happening and I I like that I enjoy that as well Um, so now Picard uh, basically now is going to appeal to Elnor to join or to bind his sword to Picard's cause Um, I do enjoy this little joke here where he's like is there a ritual do I have to go on my knees (laughs) he's like please don't tell me I have to do that my knees are not what they used to be
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good one I also also really appreciate the butterflies in the background of this scene Um, I I noticed it on my second watch through that they're they i mean they're obviously cgi and they're just done so subtly and and, and, and like beautifully i really like watching the little butterflies pass by in the background it's, it's gorgeous
0: I, I have to say i really love this whole set right here when he's on vashti and he's talking mm-hmm. to the sisters it's so beautiful like the wildlife yeah. the the forest, the trees, the sunlight, and and you're right. I hadn't noticed the butterflies, but I, I'm, I have it on silent now. It's running as we're talking, and I'm noticing them now, and it, it really is quite pretty.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. Just And it's such a little thing that I, I think a lot of directors would not even have thought of, but Jonathan Frakes has... He he understands a lot of what makes Star Trek great visually, and one of the one of those things is is the background stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So basically, El- Elnor's like, just he said he tells Picard, "You tell me a story, I listen." So then Picard starts talking to him about Data and the twins. Um, and Elnor says, "Oh, you you told me about Data," and and he he references Spot, which I thought was I was like, "Oh, Spot!" <laughs> the yes, <orange> <laughs> I was like, "Yes!"
2: <laughs> I loved. So, uh
0: huh. Go ahead. Uh,
2: sorry, uh, you know that game I was talking about months and months ago, oh, the yeah, Star Trek yeah. timelines game. Yeah, so I'm still playing it. Uh, but the fleet I'm in. Has squadrons, and my squadron is Spot Squadron.
0: Oh, that's so neat. <laughs> I
2: love that. <laughs> that's why I joined that one, is because it's called Spot oh, Squadron. I
0: love it. Well, I, I immediately thought of, of course, there were several episodes about Spot, but I immediately thought of the one where Wharf was supposed to cat sit. And <laughs> he's holding Spot at like arm's length, and Dana's telling him, You must tell him he is a good cat. You must He a pretty cat. <laughs> so good. Like... No, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I'll make sure so it great. is That's beautiful. It. So here, I mean, basically Picard tells Elnor the story. He tells him about Data, the twins, Bruce Maddox, and, you know, Elnor asks him some questions like, do you know where they are? Are you being pursued? And, you know, Picard's like, it's pretty hopeless. I really need your help will you bind your sword to my quest and Elnor basically is like you ditched me you haven't come back in 14 years now that you need me you want me to help you forget you old man and he basically uh, seems to not want to help Picard in any way at all um and leaves quite angry and I mean you can understand his anger I mean, he was a child who looked up to this older male figure who he didn't have a lot of male figures in his life, and then he was abandoned by him for 14 years, and now he shows up because he needs something.
2: I really like that quote um, that, you know, okay, all those reasons are why you need somebody. Why do you need me? Yeah. He's looking for that validation as – Like the son figure to the father figure, like why am I important to you, me personally? And and Picard doesn't answer him. Yeah, he
0: doesn't have an answer. Um, because yeah, it's
2: just it's a really good use of like a negative answer, almost. You know, like a negative mm -hmm. space answer. I I just I thought it was really really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's for Picard to say why he needs him now. It really is. It's about hubris at this point because mm-hmm. Picard is basically like, I know I did wrong by not showing up again, and here's my mm-hmm. chance to sal- to solve my own conscience. But he doesn't want mm-hmm. to say that. He he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't know how to say that. Maybe he can't admit that yet. But yeah. that's really what it boils down to.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's it's Picard realizing. The fact that he's not perfect, that he's not the best human being in the world, or in the universe, um, mm-hmm. and just coming to grips with that—it's it, a really interesting take on the character.
0: Yeah, I. This to me, I, I'll be honest. This to me is what makes a protagonist interesting—is when you give them flaws. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy a character like, okay, a character like Superman. It's it's hard to give that character flaws because that's how he was always written, right? Like he's like he's right. the ultimate boy scout. He always does what's right. He always makes the right choice. Never tells a lie. Fights for truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> but
2: invulnerable.
0: Invulnerable, right? Um, well, can't you... Can fly. I mean, yeah. He's he's basically perfect. Um. Plus he's like good looking and he's got a great physique. Yeah. I mean, like he's got all his hair. Like there's no fault <laughs> to Superman, right? But then you he's take
2: basically a... Picard.
0: Yes. <laughs> but, but then <laughs> Okay, the... alright. It's I mean <laughs> Except for the hair. Except for the hair part, but yes.
2: <laughs> but he's got then... perfect hair.
0: But then you take a character I'm trying to think of like something also comic y that I could reference. And I'm gonna reference Wolverine. Wolver- okay, that's a great example. You have a character like Wolverine who doesn't always make the right decision, who makes a lot of mistakes, um, who has good intentions, tries to do what's best, but oftentimes messes it up. And yeah. so it's it's easier to relate to that character because that character is flawed. And so... I'm I'm a flawed person too. So like when I see flaws in my protagonists that I watch on TV and in movies, it helps me to connect with them better. And so, now,
1: Rebecca, you're perfect. Oh, <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself.
2: If
0: only, mm-hmm. if only that were true.
2: <laughs> well, and also overcoming flaws is such a good way of writing a dramatic story where where you have a protagonist that that is. Like cognizant of the flaws and is actively trying to fix them makes it way more interesting than a character that has no flaws and even if they did they didn't recognize them
0: yeah i i totally agree with that so the next scene back on the ship raffi tells picard the next window is going to open in seven minutes and that's you know basically that's when they're going to beam him up um so Picard, th- this scene is wild to me. Picard goes to the <laughs> cafe, uh, the one that said Romulans only, and he takes the sign and throws it on the ground like, not anymore. <laughs> and he's
1: Steps on it. Steps on it. Stands on
0: it. He, I mean,
1: the other- I was surprised he didn't jump up and down on it like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Like,. It's the total audacity of this guy to basically say, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm tearing down this sign. Romulans only? Forget that. And he tears... The sheer
2: effing hubris. I know. I
0: know. And he walks in, everybody's looking at him like, really? Did you really just do that? (laughs) He sits down at the table, he's trying to order something from the waiter. Waiter's like, No um mm-hmm.
1: and then, i did, didn't even just kept walking didn't yeah, even didn't acknowledge even look him, look him. <laughs> 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 wasn't <laughs> even no it was just like and again was...
0: picard speaking in romulan like he's trying to get mm-hmm. people's attention they just refused to interact with him mm-hmm. um and then we get this really great scene with um this character tenkem andrev played by evan park um so this is the Romulan who stands up and who says I met you once I used to be a senator you came into the senate and you spoke about how you were going to rescue us and you were going to bring all these ships and you were going to evacuate us Um, and uh, you know you you were like this great figure and then you let us down Starfleet let us down and Picard's like you know I'm sorry and I did everything I could do and then he's and then Tenkem says yeah and then you gave up so, again, people are calling Picard out on this, that you said you were going to help us, and then you didn't help us. Um, so then they yeah. get a sword. They give Picard a sword. And they're like, <laughs> it, you're going to fight now.
2: <laughs> if, before the sword thing, there is there a shot during that verbal spat. Yeah. That's straight out of uh, first contact of Picard uh just the framing of it and his stance i i I remember it so clearly from a shot from first contact which was also also directed by jonathan Briggs. oh okay um it's the exact same shot obviously 25 years later it it, it, I, i i i saw it this time this this third time i watched it and it just i I could see it side by side. The two are exactly the same. It was it was really cool to see that. for for me as I I
0: I didn't geek. notice that, but I think that means I just have to go back and rewatch First Contact. I haven't seen it in a little while.
2: Oh, that's a that's a movie I watch three or four times a year. It's, I love that movie.
0: It's a great movie. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, of the next generation movies.
2: I think it's definitely the best uh, of next gen movie. Yeah.
1: I've never seen it. Oh. What? Course.
2: It was the first Star Trek movie I saw in theaters.
1: I've seen most of Wrath of Khan. I've never seen it all the way through one at Whoa. one time.
2: Blow my mind, Brooke.
1: I know it's really crazy. <laughs> um, and then you know we watched we watched Nemesis. So you know I, I did that one and I saw a part of Search for Spock. Is that what it's called?
2: That's Star Trek Three. Yeah, Three.
1: Yeah. So I saw part of that one. Yeah, I know. Sorry, you guys.
2: I know know First Contact wasn't on your list for previewing for this show, but I think it might deserve a place because of the Borg connection. We
1: aren't taking requests. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, well, you know, because we were talking about uh, in between seasons doing stuff, so that's definitely something we'll... um, We'll take in consideration while we figure out what we're going to do in between these two seasons.
2: And it's uh, such a great, for sure. great movie. It's so I mean, because I'd
1: like I'd like to watch it if it's as good as you guys say it is. I, I I appreciate both of your opinions on those kind of things.
0: It's got some really stellar performances by some really great like special guest stars. Um, mm mm-hmm. So you've got the actor playing Zephyr Cochran. Cochrane. Um, oh, Neil, you're so good with names. What, what what's the actor who plays him?
2: Uh, I'm putting you on the yeah, spot here. Yeah, I know. Uh, James Cromwell. Thank you. Cromwell,
0: who's been a who's been in everything. I mean, he,
2: he's been in episodes of Star Trek as well as Aliens too.
0: Yes, he has. He's he, he's been a frequent Star Trek. Um, guest star he's been in movies he's been in other tv shows he's been in everything babe he's he was he was that'll do pig i mean that's, that'll do pig that'll do yeah that's um yeah that he was Yep. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: yeah. i remember got, um neil i cannot remember neil name. mcdonough neil mcdonough
1: oh, yes
0: oh yes one of the one of the um one of the oh shoot the um he was in um uh, Captain America First Avenger the Howling Commandos Yeah I ch-
2: yeah
0: how dare i not know a captain america reference um
2: He's bam bam
0: Yes and dum No
2: not bam bam dum no, dum no, no, thank you well, thank you bam bam is okay. flintstones mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah he um he was in dum dum dugan Yes yep. um Got some really stellar performances by some really great um, actors.
1: Alfred Woodard.
0: Al- Alfre Woodard is excellent. <laughs> wow. in that
1: movie. Oh, um, I mean, I so can't imagine wouldn't be. She is just excellent in general. She's
0: great in everything. Alfre Woodard is great in yeah. everything. So, yeah, first contract. If you haven't seen it, worth a watch. One hundred percent worth a watch. Um, oh yeah. yeah. and you're right. Absolutely. Also, also directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, really well directed, uh, in, in yeah. my opinion too. Um so uh, back to the scene here at the uh, <laughs> Romulan only uh, cantina um, they uh, so they give Picard a sword they want him to fight they like drag him out we saw the scene in the trailer he's being dragged out like to the main square and um, you know at first he, he kind of parries a few of the, the sword thrust but then he throws his sword down he's like I'm not going to fight um, and then uh, Elnor shows up uh, and he basically it, with some really amazing fight moves here. I mean, he's oh my god, spinning in the air, <laughs> he's slicing the M
2: Bison move. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's slicing people's heads off. But he's but in all fairness, he gave a warning and he said, "I you know please choose wise wisely. You know mm-hmm. uh, if you're gonna fight this fight, and um." He basically, you know, takes down these guys who were beating him who were who were gonna make Picard fight. And he tell he announces that he is binding his sword to Picard's um cause. Anybody who has a problem with Picard has a problem with Elnor. Um mm-hmm. and then, you know, we see one of the Romulans plow a disruptor and he's like uh, I'll, I guess I'll shoot you with this, you sister boy, you know, which was very, um, <laughs> it felt very hillbilly redneck to me, you know. Watch out there, sister boy. Like, I'll just, me and my sister, me and my, me and my mother wife will just get you later. You know, it was a little <laughs> <so> weird. But... <laughs> Did you say mother wife? I'm sorry. That's really gross. I'm sorry. That's what really I'm just Not that oh, sister well, wife I- is any better, but... <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Me and my cousin uh, slash so
1: wife. Holy shit!
0: Everybody in the South who listens to this, I apologize.
1: Listen, I oh, I can do that because I live in the South. Okay. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> um. So um. So ju- just as this guy's about to shoot Elnor with a disruptor. Um, Raffi's like oh the window's open should we beam you up and Picard's like yeah you should beam us up
3: <laughs> get me out of here
0: <laughs> so they beam of course Picard and Elnor up at the last second Um, they they're back on the ship and Picard basically um he he, he completely tells Elnor that guy you shouldn't have killed him you shouldn't have done that Um, he didn't deserve to die and um he's like from now on I'm calling the shots of when you're going to fight and when you should hold back
2: And oh, I love angry John Luc Picard d- don't
0: you love him he's great
2: I love it when he gets so angry that he can barely you can see him barely able to get the words out because he's just so pissed off it's gorgeous
0: it's great because he's really just you know that he's shaking with rage you know and in and, and Picard's mind it's like he didn't have to die like that guy didn't have to die we could have just you know maybe you could have kicked him once or twice and 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 that would have been okay and then he would have stopped um <laughs> i i do think it's interesting here before picard does get beamed up is he 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 really does like the sort of very public mea culpa with all the romulans here and he's like it, it's my fault i didn't do enough i promised to help you and now this is just you're all in pain and you've lost so much and you're angry at me and and I understand I get it and I'm sorry and I I think this is maybe one of those moments where Picard really finally begins to truly understand stop focusing on just himself like stop focusing on like oh me 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 and really focus on how everybody else was affected by his lack Mm -hmm. of of doing enough by yeah yeah I mean, you know.
2: and this is another instance where he's a speechmaker as he was referred to in a previous episode yeah absolutely. and he the thing is he's so good at it he <laughs> like, is. I mean, he's he, really good he's at it. so good at making speeches <laughs>
0: absolutely he's very good at it <laughs> but um yeah so you know back on the ship again you know he tells Elnor you know I'll tell you when to fight and when to not and he, he's Kind of introduces Elnor to everybody on the ship. Um, and and this is finally when uh, it gets revealed what the criteria is for, um, for worthiness to bind your sword to a cause. And the criteria is that it's a lost cause. <laughs> That's the only reason why a Kalan Kai would bind their sword to a cause if it's a lost cause. Which is very noble <laughs> and very sort of um, King Arthurish to me, but um, and poor Doctor gerardi is like, what? <laughs> what do you mean a lost cause?
2: <laughs> I I do appreciate this show for call like straight out calling tropes and just doing them, like they 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 say, oh, like bind your sword to my quest. Yeah. And like that's such a a tropey thing to say, oh, but yeah. nobody says it. Right. And it's it's just refreshing to actually be like, okay, we're just going to say what's happening. This yeah. is this is a thing. I really really like that.
1: So, <laughs> maybe since uh, some people have money involved, they'll laugh all the way to the I'm ba- oh, sorry. Just <laughs> a joke. But
0: like, that's but that's the funny thing about Star Trek is that here we are in the 24th century and there's still people haven't changed that much. This whole idea of bind your sword to my quest. That's something that we even hear in the year 2020. That's an old reference to even us, but 400 years in the future, 500 years in the future, people are still saying it and they still understand what it means. And It sort of speaks to that whole obsession that Star Trek has with, like, even though we're so far in the future, we still maintain our connection to the past. Like, people still own hardcover books. People are still using... In great
2: condition.
0: Yes. Amazing condition. It's not just reading it on a pad, or they have an actual book that they turn the pages, or... um, you know, we've even seen people writing stuff down where they still are preserving that idea of putting pen to paper. So it's sort of one of the things that Star Trek has always done, of like, no matter how far in the future we go, we'll always maintain our connection to these things. Which I think that's... Yeah.
2: I think that's something that's, that was established, really, in the uh, original series movies, especially with Wrath of Khan, like with Kirk's birthday. Oh, yeah. And it's... it's
0: B- bones he gives get, him a pair he of glasses. Reading glasses,
2: <laughs> yeah. And like he's always reading classics. I yes. mean, the, the idea that that uh, classics like Moby Dick and Shakespeare are going to exist for another four hundred years and continue to be read is such a powerful thing, and it's a reason to to keep to keep those in our in our consciousness because they do speak to the human condition and what it means to. to Explore your own mind and explore the the infinite worlds around us.
1: Well, there's an episode of Doctor Who that has uh, uh, Agatha Christie in it, and uh, the Doctor pulls out a book that was uh, <laughs> published in 5 billion or some ridiculous time frame. So, <laughs> so you know, they, they kind of... We're going with that, right. too, because it was an actual book, too, and there's one called Silence in the Library, which is and there. It was a library full of actual books, and they were specially printed for the library. Anyway, I'm, you know, I'm at this Doctor Who con. I'm thinking about Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, that's you totally gotta,
0: gotta not up. a problem. Um,
1: <laughs> in case you guys didn't know, I love Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: So now we get a scene of the Romulan Lannister siblings, So.
1: Oh my god. If,
0: if you watch anybody watch Game of Thrones, um, you know you understand that. But basically these are siblings who have a very I, mean, I don't watch
1: Game of Thrones and I understand that.
0: I think it's in the just the part I mean, honestly, I don't the watch only Game
1: of Thrones. Scenes, the only scenes I've seen of Game of Thrones are the ones with Pedro Pascal in them, but that's yeah, that's yeah. uh
2: I mean I read all the books, so I, I always that's... call it Song of Ice and Fire.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You're you're the you're a book reader, not a I'm TV the, watcher on on the game. Of yeah. Game I'm the, game. the resident
2: book asshole.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nerd. <laughs> nerd you yeah. Are. I wrote
2: down a uh, weird Romulan incest.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> very strange. I don't know what the deal yeah. is with these two, but
1: <laughs> well, my cousin was like, maybe it's just a Romulan thing, and I'm like, but she's really creepy. She's just like, like. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Love, like, and that's the thing, is we don't know enough about the Romulans to say yes or no.
1: Because they're so secretive, because they don't want you yeah. to know.
2: And we just insane. haven't had a show that fleshed them out until now.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's so true. Like, who could say for sure if it's a Romulan thing or not? Like, who knows? Um, yeah. But anyway, so he's asleep, and his sister shows up. <laughs> she's like crawling around in bed with him and she's like did you think I was your robot girlfriend and it's like
1: what are <laughs> you doing
0: and she,
2: like tracing oh, his veins no, with her fingertips weird.
1: it's so, so well, she voice, but that's pretty much the voice she used he,
0: she's using her best sexy voice and she's like is she anatomically correct and I'm like wow <laughs> wow wow, wow. <coughs>
1: I was honestly honestly I was waiting for her to ask me was it as good as when it's me or something you know
0: (laughs) what I mean I can can (laughs) see it coming oh yeah well it's like uh, every episode we get we get a scene of these two toward the end where she vaguely sexually threatens him uh, and says if you don't have results soon I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna take over so yeah I mean, this is like, it's every episode they have.
2: Now she's there.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, she's there now and she's got her ears back, which we, she apparently her
2: internal organs.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I don't even know what, but anyway, she basically says to him, if you don't get results, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to take over. And you know what that means. Um, And he's now asking her about the Romulan ship that was assimilated, which is what Soji wanted to know about. So he's Uh asking her questions and she's like, why are you asking me questions about this stuff? Maybe she's the one who's pulling the strings on you, bro. Like maybe she's here to keep you in line. Maybe she's here to manipulate you. Um, And then she does this thing where like, she like chokes him and then says, um, wh- who is she? Remind yourself who she is. And he says she's the Seb Cheneb. And, um... Se- I also, ne- Seb Cheneb.
1: Seb Cheneb. I honestly didn't expect that's what she was going to say whenever she, like, grabbed him either. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, first I've got, like, all this cursing, and then, now, like, it's turning into, like, a softcore porn that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> very,
0: the dynamic between these two is very odd, and I'm sure it's written specifically that way. Like, I don't know if this is meant to be like an incestuous it relationship. Has
1: to, okay, it has it has to be written that way. Like, don't even say think it has to be because if this is not like a di- directorial choice, because it's been every. I mean, granted, there's only been two, direct, but you know what I mean. It's been. Yeah. A, through mine,
2: I agree. Yeah, yeah this, this isn't is... like a Jonathan Frakes special.
1: No, he would not. <laughs> oh God, no, it's
0: not. <laughs> this
2: isn't the Riker maneuver
3: here. No, we're dealing with not the Riker <laughs> maneuver,
0: for sure. Not the Riker maneuver. Um, <laughs> so, our final scene of the show here in the sh- the sh- Captain Reyes' ship, they're engaged in like a firefight with the Romulan uh, bird of prey. Mm-hmm. Um, the the totally cool looking Romulan Bird of Prey from the original series. That ship is so gorgeous. Um,
2: yeah, I wrote awesome dogfight and space Spanish.
0: Yes, space Spanish. I okay. So this new hologram is called
1: Edit. Yes. He has Bennett. yes, he has a name, and he has like long hair and everything. <laughs> okay.
2: He's like, screw it, I don't care.
1: Honestly, this is when because I was like. I was like, "Oh yeah, Santiago Cabrera's really awesome. Like he's really great." And then like his Rios versions was like speaking the Spanish, and I'm like, "Oh okay, all right, I like this." <laughs> so then okay. I got a weird side. So, <laughs> I I also his
0: his um his sexiness level went up quite a few inches yes. with the Spanish. I'm yes. not gonna lie. It did.
1: It did. Oh, because, you know, like, he's a good-looking guy, but I wasn't, like, into him necessarily. <laughs> and then he was speaking Spanish, and I'm like, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I had the same moment. Um... Okay, okay. <laughs> I
1: think of you when he started speaking Spanish, honestly.
0: Spanish. I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> Spanish. It It was very funny because I was trying to figure out, like, what kind of Spanish they were speaking. Like, if I could guess what country they were from. Um, Because at first I thought it was like Spain Spanish because they were speaking it very Fast and then He called him way which is a Very Mexican word so I think They're Mm -hmm. speaking Spanish That's more common in Mexico Um,
2: In California Interesting yes
0: so anybody Who's much more fit although the actor himself Is from uh, Venezuela So Mm -hmm. which is a Totally different accent a totally different thing But like Mm -hmm. Um, if anybody knows better than me, which I'm sure there's plenty that do, please gently correct me, uh, by email or Twitter is fine. But, um, the fact that he was calling the other guy way, which is a pretty common word that's thrown around in, in Mexico in Spanish, um, seems my
2: high school soccer team.
0: That was my guess. Oh, okay. So yeah, you (laughs) live in California, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, um, Emmett, the drunk Spanish-speaking hologram with all the tattoos, is like, <laughs> you fly, I shoot. Um, and they get into this dogfight, and then out of nowhere this other ship comes in, so now we've got like this really awesome two-against-one two thing. This other ship is helping out Rios, and um, they unfortunately slice up the bird of prey, which, again, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to watch them slice. But beautifully them done. Gorgeous, I mean, if you had to do it, it was so beautifully. It was so like surgical precision, and then of course, once you know who the pilot is of that other ship, it all makes sense. Oh, <laughs> I mean, would you expect anything less but Borg precision from Seven of Nine? I mean, <laughs> nope, nope. So um... nothing less. Of course, um they're keeping it a very you know, they're keeping it a secret till the very end, but you know, they say that the, the ship is breaking up and the pilot is signalling and, and they keep saying he, he needs to come aboard. Well beam him here and then uh, they beam the pilot aboard. Of course it's seven of nine, Jerry Ryan, we love her from Voyager. Um and Picard knows her right away and he says, Oh, mm-hmm. seven of nine and uh, she says you owe me a ship, Picard. (laughs) And then she faints.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I thought the intentional misgendering of the pilot was was an interesting choice. Like, they hit it so hard that as soon as I started doing it, I immediately knew that it was Seven.
0: Me too. Because Hmm. they kept saying him, he, him, him. Yeah. Oh, it's it's Seven. seven. It's obviously Seven. I mean, who else is going to... It's not like... It's not Tom Paris, who, you know, from Voyager (laughs) knew was like, you know, like the best pilot in the fleet and all that. We knew it wasn't Tom Paris. Seven (laughs) Nine. So that's our episode, you guys. That is absolute candor. And if I'm being absolutely candid, I enjoyed this episode very much. See what I did there?
1: same
2: beautiful
0: thank you very much um
2: yeah this has been my favorite episode so far Um, because it, it again like looking at the first three as um a pilot in itself it's that's setting up the story this is the first episode we've gotten that is the continuation of that setup and it's 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 sh- kind of showing us where the series is going to go. It's going to be more action heavy than previous Trek incarnations, but not so action heavy that we're going to feel like we're in JJ J. Abrams' movie.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. This is not going to be the Kelvin verse. This is right. not going to be like Michael Bay's Transformers. Like it's not <laughs> Transformers. You know it's. But it's definitely going to be... I agree. I think this is going to be more action-heavy than what we've seen. Um, this is not really about... Ex- not,
1: so we're not going to have, like, lens flares or, like, gigantic explosions <laughs> and, like, no... to little plot? I mean, I don't know <laughs> that I'm in for the rest
0: of this. There'll be none of that. Uh, there will also be no casual misogyny or racism. Oh, yes. So... Yes, oh, for no benefit. that for the... <laughs> also, a yeah. benefit
1: for not having i can <laughs> or as we've seen recently retconning oh well no i guess he retconned in the star trek movies too anyway sorry yeah. he changed things uh,
2: and also having just done the voyager rewatch, it was mm-hmm. i i've been waiting for seven to show up since the series started and I, i'm so glad that i was able to do the episode where she showed
0: up. No, nice. Yeah, that's... All, it, that worked out really well. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So this has been episode four, Absolute Candor. Next week, of course, episode five. More Seven of Nine, I can only imagine. Lots more Seven yeah. of Nine. From the mm-hmm. previews, I don't know, you guys, from the previews, I think we're gonna see Bruce Maddox in episode five.
3: <laughs> it's I heavily the implied.
0: Previews. Um... I mean, I did put up a poll on our Facebook page um, asking people if they thought we would see Bruce Maddox. Um, When I last checked it, um, it was, I think it was about 50-50, but there were people who were leaning towards the no. But We'll see. It's implied we're going to see Bruce Maddox next episode. Um, But yeah, I can't wait. We're almost halfway through the season, if you can believe it. That's, That's crazy. Um... Awesome. So, Neil, I know that you have stuff to plug. You've got a band and other stuff going on. Tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs and all your other projects you've got going on.
2: Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter under my name, Neil Follander. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. My band is called The Restless Sons. Uh, we actually have a show on my birthday on St. Patrick's Day in Northern California. If anybody up there from here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna be on pcl next week as well
0: oh nice okay cool so uh yeah thank you so much for joining us for this uh episode episode four great to have you back Mhm. yeah for
3: great sure. to be
2: back
0: yeah awesome awesome so uh yeah next week will be episode five with another uh special guest um so yeah um brooke thank you of course for um show, for being able to join us even though you're on the west coast and doing your doctor who stuff uh-huh. today but yes awesome all right everybody thanks for listening thanks for listening to Picard cast and uh as we always say continue to boldly go where no one has gone before see ya
1: hosted by Rebecca and Brooke. You can find us at facebook.com slash Picardcast, on twitter.com at the Picardcast, or email us at picardcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.